By God alone I'm saved from my sin To God alone be glory, amen Hello and welcome back to the Reformed Refugees Podcast. This is part two of our interview with our friend Regina who is an ex-Amish uh, episode one, you can go back and listen to. It should already be posted. Obviously, it's already going to be posted if I'm introing episode two. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So to recap, we we got to talk with G- Regina about her background, how she grew up, met her husband, um, moving from uh, central Illinois yeah. to mm-hmm. northeast Indiana, um, resistantly joining the Amish church to marry her husband. And we got to hear a lot about the community, uh, the some of the rules, uh, some things that began to... She was already not wanting to really be in this community, but uh, at the end of our episode one, we got to hear some of the things that started to drive Dustin, her husband, um, away from and into some rebellion against the Amish church. And so... Last we knew, she uh, he got a cell phone <laughs> <laughs> to rebel. Regina, for some reason, didn't ask for one, too, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and he found Ray Comfort in Apologia Studios on YouTube. That's right. Um, yeah, he just being on YouTube came across them and their uh, ministry of evangelizing. Um, Ray Comfort really brought the law to life. I mean, he's famous for um, asking questions about the law and then just bringing it around to the heart. And yeah, it just really brings things, um, reveals things that you in a way that you don't think of, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Apologia Studios, um, the video that really affected my husband was they were witnessing to Mormons. Like, I believe it was Jeff Durbin in Utah. And the questions that they were asking the Mormons, my husband gave himself those questions. And he was like, my answers, being Amish, would be just as empty as this Mormon's answer. And here, um, Jeff Durbin, and I don't know if somebody was with him or not, but like the way that they were defending their beliefs from the Bible was just like, it was just mind-blowing to Mm -hmm. my husband. Like, It's like, whoa. Like, this is, is this the same Bible I have? Yeah, like, <laughs> this doesn't line up with what I've been yeah. taught, like, since I was a child, and to honor your parents, and and I think that's what it comes down to. A lot of people, like, maybe don't, like, most people, yeah, they, like, are Amish because they want to be Amish, but they don't love all the rules, but it's, there's a lot of family honor tied into that, and there's, it's a close-knit community, and mm-hmm. you, there's a safety in that, so thinking about leaving that is very scary and um yeah if that's all you know it's just it's scary and you don't really think about why i believe what i believe you Mm -hmm. just fall in line follow the rules and be a good amish man or wife you know whatever i think in our community too the amish are romanticized Mm mm-hmm so there's a lot of like shops and things like well it's mm-hmm. Amish build it's, and so mm-hmm. I can't imagine that you guys have very many people who are coming in and questioning you no. about your belief system no. because the community the English community around really seems to be like wow these are mm-hmm. family values these mm-hmm. are people who are going to sun- Sunday services every Sunday like I don't know 
I don't know that I've ever seen anybody come in and say, hey, well, what's your theology? Yeah, no, I don't. So okay. Jeff Durbin talking to these Mormon people, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the first time he's had somebody question what he believes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, like, people come in and compliment the others. Like, they do. Um, and we know we knew that. Like, we knew that we're looked up to and, like, mm-hmm. people want to be like us and, like, and even in the sermons, it was, like, bragged on. Mm-hmm. Like, like, look at us. We're extra special. We don't like the English, but look how much they like us. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the Some val- do like me. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> some of the values that they were bragging up are good things, and they do come from biblical, like, mm-hmm. um, a basis or whatever. Like, being so um, community-centered and helping one another – and just family, 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 like, that does come from, I think, how it was meant to be set up from the Bible, you know. So they are, they have a lot of good things. And I understand, I totally understand why mm-hmm. so many people admire them. There are still things I admire about them. There's, yeah. there's things I miss. But the church, the way the church is set up, um, and their theology, their teaching, their requirements... No way. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it does not line up with scripture. And the fact that every six months, if you listen to the last episode, every six months you have to agree to these church rules to be able to take communion. These man-made church rules. Yes, mm-hmm. man-made church rules. Are there the- other Amish theology books? Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. but And you were talking about I'm, like the, the variation too between all of these different communities yes. is so different. Yes. Because there's not a one single standard. It's what the community is talking well, about, right? And you could drive, like, in your community, you had to have white houses. But if you go two miles down the road and it's a new community, the Amish aren't necessarily going to have white houses, correct? Um, so each community kind of holds to the similar rules. Because mm-hmm. all the bishops in that community will gather and have, like, a yearly meeting and try to be kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. But each bishop is still in charge of their own district. Mm-hmm. So every bishop is going to have a slightly different opinion. Mm-hmm. So for an example, like the area where we like lived, they like some church districts were allowed to have like fax machines. Some were not. Mm-hmm. So for example, we were at somebody's house for supper one night. They were allowed to have a, t- a fax machine guy down the road, like quarter mile was in a different district his district was not allowed to have a fax machine, but he had a business. So he came down and would like help pay the bill for the fax machine so that he could use it. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so many like well, I think, funky little. I think originally when you go all the way back into history, these people, like the original kind of Amish, Mennonite, you know, mm-hmm. they were giving up a lot of things like they're coming to this new place they're doing the things and it was something and it was all based around scripture and it was Mm -hmm. something that they were willing to give their lives up Mm -hmm. for and then you see there's no there's no theology books there there's no written down system of belief what we believe right so then it just starts to kind of like language will vary as people move along Mm -hmm. these different communities are just sort of morphing Mm -hmm. on their own Mm -hmm. because i'm guessing that the amish and you know, I don't know, Washington are different than the Amish in Delaware. Absolutely. And you see these big differences, and they're mm-hmm. all saying, well, we're based on the Bible, mm-hmm. but everyone is coming out with different answers. Yeah. And when we were asking you last episode, your answer was tradition. So we say, well, why, but why? 
tradition. Mm -hmm. And so you do see these things passed down. And I think it speaks to the importance of having something like a creed or a mm-hmm. confession, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, yours is from 1689. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why. Yeah. Join yeah. me. Yeah. So there's this, I think, importance that we can see on how the confessions keep us in tune with the mm-hmm. Bible and it's not just our own desires. Yeah. So, yep, that is so true. So true. And like the the Amish, like I said last episode, there's such a vast, vast um, variation because I know of Amish have distant relatives in like, say, just for an example, there's a, a community in Wisconsin I know of that they don't have running water. They have outhouses. They cook their food on like... Um, like the stoves that you build a fire and they have like a like, wood burning stove. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're just incredibly like strict. Like they have certain rules about colors they're allowed to wear and like, mm-hmm. Oh, just so many things. I could see how that would become a thing of pride. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you're sacrificing every day. Yeah. You're like, well, look at me. I've given up every modern amenity and it becomes a, an uplifting of yourself and not mm-hmm. an uplifting of Christ. Well, and you have to, yeah. And you have to make an upside to it. I would think to not go crazy. Yeah. Like, what is the purpose of this? Well, it's to be different. I'm different. I'm different. You're not worldly. Yeah. You're, right. You're, um, I'm we're extreme. called to be set apart. Yeah. Well, they're, I'm very anti-worldly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Jeff Durbin comes around and he's asking questions for the first time. How do you, like, how do you find out that he's watching Jeff Durbin? Um, he start, he started showing me um, videos that he was coming across. So you were watching him? Yeah. So we started watching him together in sermons and, like, just, yeah, we had never, we didn't know what reform theology, reform Baptist, we had no idea that was a thing. Right. We, we just, Baptist, okay. Um, so that was all new. And how did you learn about being, uh, obviously you were listening to reform preachers, so they're Calvinists. But how did you learn, like, Calvinist versus Arminian? And tell me that cute little story. So, I had no idea that, you know, there was even a name for, like, asking Jesus into your heart. Like, okay, so at the Amish church services, we had heard for years and years and years. Um, uh, like, oh, I can't think of the word. I'm totally blanking right now. Is Sorry. it a Dutch word or an English no, word? the phrase okay oh you must be born again like that's they would say that over and over and over you must be born again but they never explain what that is or what it means and baptism is what got you to heaven yeah and into the church it's and like, not confession or repentance or regeneration or settle down which means join church get baptized get married and be and a good. faithful member of the church mm-hmm. and you have you have a hope you have a good hope Mm-hmm. To um, if you obey enough that you could um, a good hope. So literally, they tell you you literally have to work your way to heaven. Basically, and if you're good enough, then you get there. But there's never actual guarantee. Oh no, that's that prideful. Mm-hmm. Assurance of salvation is prideful. So to boldly, what in our Bible study last night <laughs> we were reading Ephesians, right? Yeah. To boldly and what did it say? It was Ephesians three. But to to proclaim that and yep. to that gift that we have, yep, that that's prideful, <sighs> considered prideful. Whoa. Yeah, my I remember my grandma telling me that she told her mother that she had been born again and that she had assurance of salvation, and they kicked her out of the 
house during a visit and they were like get out that's haughty that's not something that you say like that that was akin to blasphemy so when you so he says you have to be born again had you come across jesus and nicodemus having that conversation yes they preach that all the time okay so did you put that did you put that together that there's um so i i I didn't share this in the last episode but my very first experience of like really getting a grasp of the gospel now i'm not fully fully understanding but getting a grasp of it was there was a revival meeting like tent meetings the typical fire and brimstone type preaching in my local community when i was 13 years old Mm -hmm. and the amish in that area were like very indignantly preaching to their members like do not attend these meetings mm-hmm. they are dangerous <laughs> so immediately you went no well my, oh. <laughs> my two older siblings who were in like with the youth at that time um they attended because there was a special like singer there like singing gospel bluegrass type songs so they went to see him mostly they loved the preaching they came home and told my parents about it and then we as a family actually went for the last like mm, maybe five nights or something whoa I mean, this you was kept everywhere. going yeah my parents like got hooked yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so and i responded to the altar call one night <laughs> <laughs> Went up and asked all, Jesus all, into my heart. We've, we've all, all been there, there yep. <laughs> and Some of us more than once. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Thank you for breaking that ice. More than once for me, too. <laughs> me, too. <laughs> and you were only there for five nights. The girls came up three no, times already. No. <laughs> not, that, not at that tent meeting, but like a different point. That's <laughs> <laughs> but so that was my very first experience of like truly understanding because like before that, keep in mind, like most of the sermons I had heard were in like German German. Yeah. And so I didn't understand half of what they were saying. Never heard the gospel preached. Yeah, I didn't really. That was the first where I started to grasp the gospel. And I don't believe that God saved me then, but I think that is when he started softening my heart. That's when he started convicting me of sin. I can't pinpoint the exact time that mm-hmm. I was like my heart was regenerated, but I definitely believe that that was the beginning of becoming aware of yeah. things more. Um, so fast forward 10 years later, yeah. that's crazy. Like, so that, um, well, that was the first time that you'd actually heard the gospel. And so we were talking about like questioning theology and you started watching these videos with Dustin and Arminianism, Calvinism. Oh, yes. So like asking Jesus into your heart type theology, I had no idea that that even had a name. I just thought everybody believed that. Like you're, me too. That's me what too. you do. <laughs> you don't. Me too. We're so, a good company guys. <laughs> So when my husband, I think we might have gotten like a like a little magazine in the mail, and it had a thing about Calvinism in it, and um, we were like, "Huh, never heard of that. Interesting, you know." And then through the Apology Studios, like we heard more and more of that term. And what did you think about that term? I was like, uh, "No, that's not my God. No." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, you know, the typical response Mm -hmm. of like, you know, my God's loving. He wouldn't like, you know, choose some people for vessels of glory. And Romans 9 doesn't mean what you think it means. I didn't even read Romans 9. (laughs) The Israelites were one off. They had one chosen people. And and that doesn't even explain Paul, you know, on the road to Damascus at all. But anyway, so... I It was all so foreign to me. Very, very foreign. And at this point, we had... 
I think we had already, we had a left Yamish at this point. Backing up a little bit. So this was like March of, March or April of 2018, where my husband came to me and said, we can't know these things we know and stay Amish. Mm. And I was like, Lord, is it happening? <laughs> this was after he'd been listening to Apologia, yes. right? Comfort. This had been going on for a couple months. And we had just come through a communion with the Amish church. And, and it was just like it, the, the light bulbs were just going on. And they just, he was learning. He was digging into scripture. He's like, they were teaching this at church. I'm going to go see in the Bible, like, where it says this and what it says about this. Mm-hmm. And he had, he was, we were listening to expository preaching for the very first time ever. Yes. Because the Amish have a, they have a routine of scripture that they use year after year. Like it starts over on January 1st. So there's like, and only having church every two weeks, that's really a small portion of scripture that you and ever it's get the same scripture. On. Yeah. Wow. Every year, just I can't rotation. watch reruns. <laughs> I, honestly, I cannot watch reruns. I would have lost my mind. Yeah. So for, well, all our childhood and then for the couple years that we were church members, like we heard a lot of repeat, like, and there's always the popular stories, like cute little stories and phrases and all that. Um, anyway, so just hearing this expository te- teaching was just so new and it was refreshing. And so we just started digging into scripture, but we didn't want to make any sudden decisions. So we kept going to the Amish church. We told no one mm-hmm. about these discoveries. And um, we started talking about leaving. Like, seriously, this is going to happen. Well, it came down to we had some family plans with my husband's family that fall or like august september ish and we knew it would like destroy his parents to leave so we were like let's just stay amish until this fall not tell anyone in the meantime and um we'll leave after these family events just to like so here is this 2018 still 2018 okay we didn't want to like ruin everybody's year summer Mm -hmm. whatever and i'm so so thankful that we took that time um, because it gave us the time to really, really find a foundation, a biblical foundation for why we believe what we believe and why we're leaving. So I actually brought a list with me of questions. So when we fast forward to the fall, when we announced that we're leaving, my husband, um, we told his parents, obviously that conversation didn't go great. Um, and, and we have some regrets on how we, we had that conversation. If we could go back we would approach it with more grace mm-hmm. than what we did. There was the tensions were just so high, and like obviously, there all of a sudden they were just like deer in headlights. You're you're what? I'm gonna give a lot of grace to anybody who's in cage stage, like because when you first find reformed theology, I mean these things are. It's we, it's like it's you you finally have the energy, like you finally have life. But at this point, we weren't Calvinists. We were being exposed to this teaching but we wouldn't have said that we are yet okay so we were we were still just learning so much mm-hmm. so i don't think we were quite gauge stage yet <laughs> <laughs> um so when we told his parents and then i think like the following saturday or something my husband went over to one of the ministers in our district's house and told them we won't be at church and we won't be coming back and 
that whole summer, like we were attending church and we'd hear these things preach. My husband was like sitting across the room and we'd like catch each other's eye mm -hmm. and he'd be like shaking his head no. And I was like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> somebody's like gonna You're see. You're expose us. I was like, somebody's gonna see. You're like, uh-uh. And I was like, just play the part. <laughs> can you but can you see these parallels between this this present day leaving and what the reformers were doing in the Catholic Church? They had no idea what is being spoken in a different language. You don't mm -hmm. have any idea. They're looking at these things. These things are done in secret. They don't know who they can tell. And there was a lot of persecution going on. So you really needed to be careful about mm -hmm. these kinds of things. And they may have had the same sorts of uh, feelings come up during a church service where the same kind of things are happening and right. you're looking at him like don't out us right um and i just i see those parallels in my mind and maybe i'm making too much of it but i feel like these are the things that even though they happened 400 years ago mm -hmm. you know you we are still going through this yes like reformed people are still going through we are still leaving our churches we are still leaving our families we are still leaving our communities for the gospel yep so, sorry, soapbox, yep. go ahead. Yep, very true. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> um, that's so true. And and I just want to say, like, they're, when the Mennonites, so the Mennonites were first before the Amish. So Mena Simmons started the Mennonites. Jacob Amon started the Amish. And there was a difference in opinion over shunning that they separated. And it is so messed up, honestly, how the Amish even started because Jacob Amon shunned himself. Like, he died in the bond, which is the German word for shunning. Mm -hmm. Like, he died shunned by him. Like, he had done it to himself. And, and so there was this big disagreement, and that Whoa. is literally how the Amish started. That's a lot of oppression over a... Oh, it is. To start a... Wow. Okay. A lot of Amish people have no idea about this history. Mm -hmm. They just... You just do what, what you're told and, there again, and what's expected. You've got, you've got two completely different groups mm -hmm. over one over one thing, mm -hmm. and then those two branch out, and there's different there's different um, different yeah types of each. Like yeah. Mennonite is like the huge spectrum from like liberal, like Democrat liberal, mm -hmm. to like like my parents Mennonite, which is they almost look Amish in their dress. Mm -hmm. They're dressed so plainly still. Um, my siblings not so much, but my parents still are, and they're they have church rules that are almost as much as the Amish, like not quite, yeah. but they they're still under a lot of that, and so there's just a huge huge spectrum of Mennonite, and then also the Amish, because I didn't even mention, but there's even a group called the New Order, which the New Order are very quite different from the Old Order in the sense of their desire is to be more biblically biblically based. They have, it's, they maybe started in the 60s. Like, it's not an, a very old group. Okay. And they faced a lot of persecution from the old order when they started up. Mm-hmm. Because they are much more like, they don't let their kids go out and party. They don't let their kids, you know, go and get cars or whatever. If they want to do that, they have to leave. Yeah. Because they have true youth group and do like upbuilding activities. Okay. Serve like older people in the church or, and they have Bible studies together. They do the singings. Mm -hmm. And then the more conservative, like old order groups also do singings. And that's where Sunday night you get together and sing. And then you meet your, a lot of people meet their spouse there. Um, my parents had actually wanted to move to a newer community and 
we thought we were going to. Um, it was just a problem with buying property, selling property that it ended up not working out. So there are groups and they don't shun you if you leave. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're leaving and you're like living in sin, openly, unrepentantly living in sin, yes, you will be shunned mm-hmm. because they use the shunning like yeah. the Bible says to use it. The old order will use it just because you're leaving. Okay. So um, here are some questions that my husband presented to the ministers um, when we were leaving. They came to meet with us to basically try to change our mind. This was a couple weeks after we had announced that we're leaving. Is this the, is this the paper? This is the That's paper. That's like the actual one. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Um, and we made it like halfway through, maybe not even halfway through these questions. And the bishop was like, you know what? We don't agree. There's no point in continuing this conversation. And they were out. Wow. It was like running scared in a sense. Like, and I don't mean that in a prideful way, but there was just, and we had the answers for these questions. Like we had searched scripture, found the answers for these questions. We just wanted them to answer what their perspective is. So what are these questions? It is, why is it preached? You shouldn't question. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Don't question, just go along with it. Because we are not meant to understand everything. It's Mm -hmm. a huge thing. Why do we use German for church only? Well, tradition, that was their answer. Why are there around 40 different groups of Amish? You know, if we're so, like, right, how can this group be right and you're okay with, you know, just all of that. Um, Why we don't do mission work and evangelizing? Uh, Is the Amish a way of life or a faith? Mm. Uh, what bis- biblical reason do you have to shun people who leave the Amish church? I think that's about as far as we got when they left. Because when we, an- when we asked that question, I remember the deacon spoke up and said, we would lose our identity. So, mm. Yes, very correct. Because the people that would really want to be there would be there. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't want to have the shunning held over them, their family relationships torn apart they'd be gone mm-hmm. and they know that 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 shunning is what keeps, what keeps people there i've heard i've heard this and i believe it to be very true you could take the bible out of the amish church and the, they would they would stand mm-hmm. because they have a whole system i love this question is it a way of life or a faith yeah and when when you're saying that i mean that's exactly it's a way of life it yeah. is. yeah i mean even from an outsider's perspective we don't look at amish as because of their faith we look at the amish as it's a way of life right like even i mean i know i've told you multiple times when covid hit and i even before <laughs> that there were like when i was afraid of like mandates coming down and all of these things that i didn't want imposed upon myself i'm like the amish are protected from these things like they know how to grow their own food they work mm-hmm. hard like let's just go jo- join an amish community <laughs> not even obviously thinking about theology which there isn't any really um but I always saw it as more of a way of life as opposed right. to a faith. Right, right. And in church, we heard it all the time, this Amish faith. And it was like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then this was a question that they had bowed out after. But it was like, after giving my life to Jesus, is it okay to give my life to something else also? Will you mm-hmm. shun me if I don't follow your... It says ordinum, but that means like church rules. And why? What is the meaning of Colossians 2? What is a false Christ and a false gospel? 
And I'd also like to share some scripture that during that time was just like... Can I see your piece of paper Sure. you're sharing your scripture? <laughs> sure. So during that time, like, there was some scripture that just like, whoa, how did we miss this? Like, just, you know, through the years of, like, skimming here and there, you know. Um, so Matthew 15, verse 3 through 9, uh, I think it was the Pharisees. Um, I have a screenshot, so I can't scroll here. <laughs> he answered them, and this was Jesus speaking, And why do you break the commandments, commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. And you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Hmm. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And I remember sitting in these church Amish church services. And I was familiar with the scripture, the part where... This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far, is far from me. Their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching it as doctrines, commandments of men. Like, I was familiar with that. And I remember, like, sitting there thinking, like, we are singing these words, like, in worship. But we don't even know what we're singing. Mm-hmm. And just thinking, like, how far our hearts were removed from God and the things, you know, he loves and... Because we just, we didn't even know what we were singing. It just made no sense. And here's another one is, this one actually my dad pointed out um, right before we left. Dustin and my dad were having some discussion about like church and whatever. And I don't don't know, my parents might have suspected some things going on. I don't know. But um, my dad pointed out this scripture that had been big for him. And that was nevertheless, it's John 12, uh, verse 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Wow. It was just like that. those two specifically. There was other scripture too, but those two were just like, whoa, mind blown. This is us. Yeah, and... I, I know there's a heaviness. How are you doing over there, Danielle? It's kind of crazy. I mean, you think it's it's a really um, to think about how sovereign God is, and how uh, some of us come out of uh, Christian, different Christian belief systems, and like for us, not having the life experience that you have, um, so deep into a completely different type of faith that those scriptures take on a whole different light and how like I'm humbled just by how sovereign and um just God's providence and how like these words while they pertain obviously then uh for you guys how powerful and humbling and scary Mm -hmm. that would be to think man like yeah leaving leaving the Amish I'm going to lose my church. I'm going to lose my community. Um, You know, if I'm professing, you know, but like this whole fear of man versus fear of God. And I'm just, 
I, and I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I needed a second, so I didn't start crying. Um, I saw your eyes watering. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hear this, and I remember a sermon that Ryan preached about when Paul was in front of the Jews, and he is just pouring his heart into it and trying to get them to understand, but they won't. And I felt really convicted in that because for a long time I was just angry at the church that I came from, where it was like the system that I had come from, it was like, I'm just so angry. But then when I heard that sermon, it was like, wait a minute, they just can't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're ju- they just can't see. And it's like the Jewish parts in the Bible where they're going to, like, they're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going through the same thing where you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. You start asking these questions. I love this piece of paper. <laughs> I know. You need to, like, frame it. <laughs> and if it had been my questions, it would have been all wrinkly because I'm so anxious, right? But it's, like, nice and pristine. And you come in, you ask your questions. Like, hey, what is going on? Martin Luther asked his questions. I asked my questions. Danielle, you go around asking your questions, and scripture keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And these things that were true 2,000 years ago mm-hmm. of this group of people who had this man made theology, mm-hmm. who tried to put God in this convenient box, yeah. it's still happening today. It's yep. just, di- it's the Jewish people, it's the Catholic people, it's the Amish people, it's the independent fundamental Baptists. Yep. We're just, it's the, over yep. and over and over again. Yep. And it's humbling too because you think about. You know, the scripture that talks about he'll veil the eyes that he veils and unveil the ones that he does. And it's humbling because it's like I often have to remind myself when I look at people from my past, people that I've come in contact with, associations that I've had in other places. And I have to often be humbled and remind myself that, man, God, like I too once was blinded. Like Mm -hmm. I too once you didn't allow for me to see these things and... um, it's but hard. The grace of God, go I. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's sometimes like, like if we're in the Amish community for a event or like family things or whatever, like my husband and I almost every single time we leave talk about this, like it's easy to be on this side of it and kind of be critical of them. But being a work of Christ in their heart, like, they're blind to it and it is humbling it is very humbling like that he chose us out of i mean i think there's like thousands of amish in the area we mm-hmm. come from like out of all these people like he chose us to um soften our hearts and like give us mm-hmm. repentance and faith and grace and like it is so humbling because it's a free gift that no is. man may boast yep. this isn't anything that we just woke up and decided yep. these things were just Yep. blaring in our in our minds like what do we do with this how do we how do we make this jive yep. and we can't and it's the whole like yeah you can't just double down and like try harder like you, well you can well, <laughs> well clearly clearly we saw yeah. that you can but where that leads is just man-made you're being a, yeah it's terrible yeah and and what is uh really heartbreaking and i know that that you'll agree with this is because we see outsiders christians see amish as a way of life and not as a faith there really aren't ministries like there are to speak to jehovah's witness to Mm -hmm. mormons to minister and evangelize to the amish because we don't understand just how off base Mm -hmm. um they're oh my i'm gonna cry but like they don't have the gospel 
Mm-hmm. And there's there aren't that I know of, at least in our area, and maybe I'm wrong. And so if you have a ministry reaching out to the Amish, we would love to know what you do. Absolutely. One time in a church, one time there was a couple that came in and they were missionary specifically for the Amish. They were sneaking them out. They were giving they were helping them to get birth certificate, social security card wow. numbers. And that was farther back. I think now more of them have it. Well, just gonna say, like I know that there are still some very, very strict communities that do not. And I mean, where we grew up, like absolutely, you got all your social security birth certificate. But like, there's one of my husband's coworkers, an Amish kid in Rome Spring, and like, or guy, young guy, who has actually got a loan for a couple in a very strict community so that they could buy a house. And now they're just paying him like their payments and and a little extra, you know, for his, you know bother or whatever Mm -hmm. so i know that there's still areas that do that though because it keeps them so secluded yeah Yeah. um wild so yeah with all of that we when we left um we so that whole summer we did not know where we were going um as far as church I mean, we were exposed to Reformed teaching, but we didn't know. We just didn't know where to go. And we didn't know there was a Reformed church nearby. And we just prayed that whole summer that God would lead us, you know, where he wanted us. So when we announced it to my family, my family really put in a plea, like, please at least give the the Mennonite church or a Mennonite church a try. So we agreed to. And so we started attending after we made all the made it public knowledge. We started attending a public a Mennonite church, and this was considered more of a liberal type Mennonite church. And um, we were there for about six months. And during that six months, we still kept listening to Reformed theology or like um, Apologia Studios mostly, like sermons. And we loved the Mennonite church in the beginning. It was very like you know, community-centered still. It was very similar from where we'd come from. It didn't have all the rules, but um, the community feel was there. And uh, we loved the teaching in the beginning, but it would seem like as we continued to grow, it kind of became the milk instead of the meat. Mm-hmm. And um, fast forward to the spring of 2019, we also started so my husband and i faced infertility Mm -hmm. and we didn't dig into like what was causing infertility we (laughs) did things a little backwards from a lot of people we um pursued adopting Mm -hmm. and it was through foster care we didn't become licensed but it's called recommend recommended to adopt so um children that uh, the parents' rights have already been removed. They are ready for adoption are the ones that we can be considered for. So we started pursuing that, and there was one particular um, boy that caught our attention, and we started pursuing adopting him. Um, so, yeah, we found out in, like, May of 2019 that we were approved for him. We were interviewed for him. His team decided we'd be a good fit, and they wanted us to meet him. And it was like the previous week, I think, um, we had attended a youth event at this Mennonite church. And this Mennonite church was involved with, or like, they were okay and even promoting some Andy Stanley teaching, some Todd White Mm. teaching. um, Some more charismatic. Bethel was okay. Mm. Like, it, it was just 
things that we were seeing a lot of warning signs. And then when we found out officially that our son now was going to be moving in and we had attended this youth event, we were like, oh no, he can't go to this youth group. Like, there's no way. Like, we can't send him and then have him come home and be like, they told you this, but we don't believe this, 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 Mm -hmm. you know? So we had... It was early, early 2019, probably January, February. We, I did a Google search because we were like Reformed Church. We'd love to, you know, find a Reformed Church. I did a Google search, found one. About at that point, we lived 40 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So, which is where we're all at now. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> and so we attended in February, I think it was, and then my husband would have been ready to like. Let's come over here. February of what year again? That was 2019. Okay. But I was like really struggling with like, I love the teaching. I loved it. The expository teaching and everything. It just, it was so foreign, I guess, the, just the way things were done. And I was like, we're going to lose this community feel. And so I kind of held back. And so we kept attending the Mennonite church. And then we started going back and forth on like, we're going to go to the Reformed church. No, we're not. We're going to stay here at the Mm -hmm. Mennonite church. So it was like God used um, our son, like knowing that he's going to be moving in with us to be like that final push. Mm -hmm. We had visited the Reformed church a few more times in this like February to May time period. Um, But that was just that final push of like, nope, you belong here. And... So, yeah, we started attending in May of 2019 at this Reformed Church, and we've been there ever since. Um, then May, the following May, May 2020, we adopted our son. Mm-hmm. He was 14 years old at the time when we adopted him. He is 16 now, just turned 16 last mm-hmm. week, um, or this week, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that kind of brings us to present time we are working towards adopting again we're not really sure what that's going to look like but we're working towards that um yeah and i think you wanted me to share about the abortion i do and i just wanted to say too i love how you're like our son like he's Ah. not even living with you yet and you're like our son can't be a part of this (laughs) like i i just i love that that mom instinct is already like in play like he's you don't have him officially yet but it's like our son's not going to be <laughs> sitting and yeah. that is the push that that you needed and i yes. think that that's beautiful and i love your heart for adoption and because of what i do mm-hmm. it brings me so much joy to hear you say our son can't sit through that you know because like here's somebody is claiming mm-hmm. this kiddo and i just love that so i also love that you guys are a part of baby rescue like yes. is what I like every time I think of it I think of you know you guys are out there rescuing babies so so also due to Apologia Studios I mean my goodness right <laughs> one day I want to shake Jeff Durbin's hand and just they're not sponsoring yeah. this podcast no we're not sponsored. I told my husband many times like if I ever meet Jeff Durbin I know it was God I know it was God but God worked through him I want to shake his hand and just Thank you. Thank you for being obedient to God's word mm-hmm. and putting it online because so many people have been, lives have been changed because of it. They have been. And I want to say too, and again, we're not sponsored by anybody because we're not that cool. But <laughs> if somebody is looking for somewhere to give to Apologia Studios and these radio ministries, they matter. Yep. Like this is where I got my Reformed theology. Of, like I was introduced to it from the radio. You're on YouTube. That's where you're getting it from. Yep. 
a lot of these things are so important and I hope that people understand that we we give to our local church but also over and above that if you're looking for somewhere else that's worthwhile hopefully you hear Regina's story and you consider Apologia Studios because this is it's life-changing for her and for others yep. so that's right um, so they are also the founders of End Abortion Now and we were also through online seeing the work that they were doing with End Abortion Now and we before this we had had some um, went to like a pro-life banquet and that kind of thing like we had a heart for abortion ministry we just didn't know like how to go about it um, so we approached our elders um, about maybe partnering with End Abortion Now. They were on board, so our church did did that. And so what that looks like is um, they sent us tracks to hand out when we're at the abortion clinic and also the, some signs to hold or whatever. So, um, yeah, when we were officially partnered with them, my husband and I made a trip to the abortion clinic. And... I will never forget that first time. It was like, I don't know, three feet of snow, like maybe 10 degrees. We stood out there for several hours. I couldn't feel my feet by the time we got back to our car. We didn't do a whole lot that first time. We just stood out there and held some signs and we just kind of observed. Um, And there was, there's another, there's a pro-life group that comes out there all the time too. They're mostly Catholic, not all, but mostly. Um, So I guess along with that, we would consider ourselves abolitionists and i know that can be kind of controversial um and and sometimes we also just call it um 100 pro-life and by that we mean like no compromise no exceptions and no regulation in the sense of like the laws that are passed or the legislation that's passed um and the most important thing more than anything of this abortion ministry is it is um, why we're there. It's because of the gospel. Like, why go if you don't go because of the gospel? I mean, I right. know, like, some people, like, in pro-life, a lot of pro-life groups are agree with more of the incremental approach. Not all, but most. And that's a little bit more of, like, or it is more of, like, chipping away mm-hmm. at, like, we'll make heartbeat laws or make, you know, laws that has to be, like, can't have an abortion after a certain amount of weeks or whatever and as long as babies are still being murdered in the womb mm-hmm. you know it's not okay to make laws that allow for that kind of thing i think that there are good points on both sides and i don't know that i'm one way or the other um whatever gets us there but at the same time it's infuriating to me that a political party can hold that over an entire group of people like a carrot Like, oh, well, you got to keep voting for me. And then they don't actually do the things that are in their power to do because if they actually took care of it, they, who, you know, who are they going to have then to, to kind of force into voting for them if this was actually taken care of? Well, there are a couple that are actually taken care of. There's, I'm glad (laughs) there's actually a, there's two state representatives here in Indiana that did not get reelected just, uh, well, they won't be running this fall. They, um, is it preliminaries? If that's what it's called, they didn't get. I think so. Voted or uh, I don't know. They didn't win pre- preliminaries. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm using the terms right. But John Jacob and Kurt Nisley and Hoosiers for Life, um, they've been powerhouses in getting. Um, it's called Protection at Conception Act. Like okay. they had a bill, pro- like 
um, introduced for the last six years, and it's been knocked down by Republicans. Mm, so surprising. Yeah. So <laughs> you can tell how bitter I am. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very frustrating. It's it's very frustrating that we can't you know work together and. Most of, I would say, the pro-life movement, the way they approach it is more from a scientific approach. And Mm -hmm. there is a place for that. Like, that can be the thing that changes a mom's mind. Yeah. Um, But more than anything, like, the gospel needs to be the center of it. Yeah. Because if not, you know, it's like, what's... And I hear a lot, well, you guys are just concerned about this baby until it's born Mm -hmm. and then you don't care. But you two... I know for a fact that that is not the case, and I don't know how much of that is public, but I know that you two would go above and beyond. You would go the literal extra mile, because I've seen you do it. And these things are important to understand that end abortion now is not just going out there and telling these women, don't do it, and Mm -hmm. then that's it. Yep. They're telling, they're like calling out to the women (laughs) saying, please don't do this. Please come talk to us, sharing the gospel with them and saying, hey, we will walk with you. Yes. And Mm -hmm. and I know like so many people say, well, there's like forced abortions and all that. And there are some, but that's the minority. The majority is, it's like just selfishness and yeah, just sinful reasons. Um, yeah, so we are mostly we just yeah go to the clinics and call out to women and try to have conversations and offer to help in any way we can and share the gospel. That's mostly what we do. Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes we leave and there's a heaviness. Other days we don't even like we don't even uh, talk to any of the women. They completely just avoid us. Um, the one clinic we go to most of the t- like regularly their parking lot is behind the building so it's really hard to communicate and then they also have the escorts the volunteer escorts that drown us out it's it's not an easy thing but then there's also quite a bit of a homeless population in that area so sometimes we don't talk to any women but we get to share the gospel with different homeless people Mm -hmm. or just people in the community and And, go ahead oh no i didn't know if you wanted to expound more on that um, but then you also do an online yes, ministry, which is mm-hmm. what Lydia was talking about, mm-hmm. about you and I going the extra mile when so many people think that I'm not just side note, like, uh, Regina invited me into this. I'm not as cool <laughs> as Regina. Um, not true. <laughs> I think you're cooler, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so many people have an issue with this kind of ministry because they think that quote unquote Christians um, don't don't care about after you know birth right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we don't care about taking children out taking care of children after birth or actually helping people it's just save your baby and that's all that we want to do right mm-hmm. and so you're you're a part of an online ministry and through that what was it last month we drove all the way to Wisconsin mm-hmm. and um, got to help yep you mostly got to speak to a mama. So the reason we went there was we connected online and uh, we knew that she was seeking an abortion and we had um, about two days of conversation where and then she was willing to meet up and be verified, you know, just uh, proving that she is who she says she is and that she's actually pregnant. We can't um, give assistance until we have that verified in person. 
So Danielle and I, yeah, we went to Wisconsin and we verified her, shared the gospel with her, gave her a Bible, and we're still in contact with her. Um, we got her, she was about to be evicted. She, her situation was really horrible. Um, and we were able to, um, yeah, help her out financially through this online ministry and people donating and it, it's just it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing to see the mm-hmm. people being the hands and feet mm-hmm. of jesus and i am so honored i mean we've been i think it's been a little over a year now that we've been involved in abortion ministry and sometimes it's discouraging when you feel like there's just no fruit of your labor and this experience of like god allowing us to be a part of this baby's life being saved she chose life mm-hmm. and she wants relationship with us and she got a bible mm-hmm. and got the gospel shared and then went to church yes yep <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know how frequently she's still attending but i do know she did go um i've been encouraging her in that and still in communication with her um yeah i mean i'm planning on loving on her until she doesn't want me around <laughs> yeah so if i i don't i think i messaged her one day it's like i cannot wait to squeeze this baby and just you know just encouraging her and like our excitement for this for this baby that's growing in her womb who she was going to murder because of her bad circumstances mm-hmm. um, which is yeah. which is heartbreaking that you could go in and you know spend we're not wealthy people no we could we could you know collectively as a group you know do a little bit here and there and that's yeah. enough mm-hmm. to get somebody on their feet yep because there there is a real poverty problem yeah. and that this mom didn't have what it would take to get back on her feet which we've all been there but then also that she wasn't just financially struggling but the poverty of community to not have a community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to lean into mm-hmm. to help you with that to be excited for you to say oh i'm so excited that this baby is coming i can't wait to meet your baby Imagine being a mom and not having that. Imagine mm-hmm. being a mom and giving birth and nobody coming to visit you. Right. I mean, we, this is a hard. This is a hard thing, and you are willing to step into that, and and be the f- hands and the feet. And I think it's beautiful. So yeah, I guess all in all, just super super encouraged that God allowed us to be a part of this um, yeah. baby save. Um, and you, and how do you not like? It's just crazy to think that through. Uh, Dustin getting a cell phone finding Apologia you found Reformed Theology and then you were brought into this uh, abortion ministry and uh, you guys have been able to tangibly change lives and save lives and it's just really cool. The providence of God it is. It is. I just marvel at the providence of God all the time. Providence and the sovereignty. Those are like my two favorite words. (laughs) So I want to hear your funny story before we close. Okay so we moved about two years ago but before we moved we actually raised horses. We raised horses for harness racing here in Indiana and because we had to have a horse being Amish we were like why not have a couple more and have a little fun side job thing. So we spent a lot of time in the barn as a young couple mucking out the stalls. We spent a lot of quality time out there. <laughs> so one evening, oops, um, my husband was out cleaning out the barn. I think I was inside cooking dinner at that point. And he put in headphones and he was listening to sermon on Calvinism. And we had been kind of going back and forth on it, um, kind of debating it, whatever. And he comes in the house and he's like, honey, 
I think I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> and I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> um, it took me a while. We, we argued quite a bit, even in front of our son, mind you, mm-hmm. about this. But I think actually looking back now, it was good because he heard me come from the Arminian argument. Mm-hmm. And our son is definitely a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he would tell me. I would later like ask him, like, so what do you think? What is your thoughts? And he'd be like, well, what Dustin says makes more sense. I was like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> Try again. Yeah. <laughs> but it was. So I tell my kids when they get sassy with me. Okay, but I'm the one that makes the muffins. So <laughs> right. What did you? <laughs> but to wrap all that up, it was Romans nine that God used to just kind of smack me on the face, be like, listen here. Yeah. Uh-huh. You think you chose? Yeah. No, I. Uh, who are you? Yep. <laughs> Who are you, oh man? Yep, that's right. And the potter and the clay. Yeah. That illustration was just, whoa. Yeah, we talked about that our Bible study last night, too. Just yeah. how humbling it is and how we have lost uh, in our American culture. I don't even know if it's just American culture, but just the gift that it is that we have this open um, relationship and access to God that the Jews didn't yeah. mm-hmm. and how much we don't uh, take how much we take for granted and how much how we don't take God's sovereignty even even as reformed people uh, we can fall into traps of not really understanding like who is what what right. authority does the you know the clay have over the potter or, you know truly um, yeah. so I think to wrap or kind of wrap up this episode. Um, just, sh- I'd, I'd love to share some scripture that really, really. Um, so I mentioned briefly that we, my husband and I, face infertility, and it's a painful journey, to say the least. And I don't know what what all our future is going to look like. I don't know, you know, what God has for us. But um, Obviously, I would still, we'd still love to have biological children. But if not, you know, I, I know and I trust that wasn't God's plan. And I rest in that. And I struggled with that for several days after finding out that it would be quite miraculous if we had biological children. I mean, I really went through uh, just a dark time. Very, like, a lot of tears. My husband is very, like, solid and, like, very steady and, like, why are you crying so much? Like, what's going on? God's got us. <laughs> and I'm over here like, oh, but my plan isn't matching his plan. Mm-hmm. But there again, scripture. He brought scripture to my attention that just like blew my mind. And I was just like, wow. Romans 11, uh, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the, of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor, or who has been has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen yeah. And that was that was a huge turning point of that painful period. Like, and it, not saying it's not painful still sometimes, but um, that scripture just really, really gave me like it made my soul just like rest like it made my heart heal a bit I guess I should mm-hmm. say because who am I to think that my plan for my life would be better than God's plan when ultimately I'm here for his glory like 
who do I think I am? It's a self. Like, yeah. Well, Regina, I can't say thank you enough. This was encouraging to me, and I hope that everybody else enjoyed it. So Yes, thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.